0: we uh we're starting a new series called the gifted and i want to tell you something god has a plan for your life he has a good plan uh, jeremiah 29 says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord almighty plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future isn't that a good encouraging word today he's got great plans for your life he does The only thing I can think of that is better than that is to know not only does God have a great plan for my life and and your life, but actually the plan for your life is a part of his bigger plan, that God has a story that he's telling from the beginning of time until he makes eternity a reality, he's telling this story, and you and I also have a part in that plan. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? And what's cool about that is when we get a part, you know, a part in his plan, then it's not our lives aren't just for ourselves, but that we actually spill over into the lives of others and affect their lives literally for eternity. And that sound good? It's amazing. So as God's telling this story, it's like you and I get this little cameo, this, little, this one little line, it's our line. We have this one little role that we get to play. And my question this morning is, do you know your role? Do you know your place in the story of God? You know why he puts you on this planet because the f- best day of your life was the day that you were born. The second best day in your life is the day you figure out why you were born. And you know the purposes and the plans that God has for you. Guys, today and the next several weeks, we want to help you discover God's plan for your life, but also your part in his plan. And you'll find all the fulfillment and purpose and meaning you could ever imagine when we do. Part of that is just learning about ourselves and learning how God's made us and wired us. And so we need to figure out some things about ourselves, and so that's part of what we're going to do in this series. Uh, And so we're going to figure out things in this process in the next month about our personality. How many of you would say, man, I got a really good beat on my personality. Man, I know my strengths, and I know my weaknesses. And if you don't know your weaknesses, you can just ask your spouse, your kids, or your parents. They will tell you honestly and brutally <laughs> if you really want to know. How many of you could say, I mean, I know my spiritual gifts. I know what God gave me and when I came to faith, and I, I want to use those gifts. How many of you could say, I know what my natural abilities are and, and how God's taking my life experiences and creating passion in me to affect the lives of others for his glory? That's exactly what we tend to do over about the next month, is help each one of us to discover those things, to help you find that so you can find your part in the plan of God. It's called the place process. It's a it's a tool we've used here for years, but we're really making an emphasis of it in the weeks ahead. And so at the back tables here and at the counter as you come in the church, we have these... Uh, um, Sheet's here to teach you how to do the online assessment. You log in, we give you a passcode, and then you can take this online assessment. It's sort of the step one to figuring some of this stuff out. And then while that happens, we'll have teaching on Sundays. Some of our small groups are going through um, some curriculum about this. And also, when you complete that assessment, we, myself or some other leaders will sit down with you and walk you through and help you figure out what God's wiring for your life, what your part of your role is in the story of God. And so we're going to just challenge you over the next several weeks that you, you take this assessment and you find your place in God's story. Let's look at what the Scriptures say because we're going to hone in on just one component of that and that's the spiritual gifts. We're going to look at that over the next several weeks. Here's what the Scriptures say about that. It says, Each of you, each of you, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, he erases a lot of the bad things in our lives. He erases the, the penalty of sin, and he erases the judgment that we should receive from a holy God. He takes that away. He takes away things like guilt and fear and condemnation and, and shame. But he also gives us things, and he endows us with things when, when Christ comes into our life. And he gives us things like the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit who abides in us. He gives us the righteousness of Christ that we are not viewed by God as anything other as righteous and before his eyes. And he also gives us spiritual gifts. In fact, that's what the scripture said. Every believer has at least one gift because it said each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Each of you, if you are part of the family of God and have received Christ into your life, that you have a spiritual gift. In fact, that's the first step to figuring this whole thing out, is believing that that's true, believing that you have a gift. You say, I don't know what my gift is. Before we get to that, just acknowledging, yeah, if God says it's true, even though I don't feel like it, the the truth and reality is I have a gift. To believe it. The second step is discovering what that gift is, discovering that gift, And so you can use it. And So Discovering the Gift, we have this place. It's it's a tool. It's not foolproof. It's not the only way to find your gift, but it's a great starting point. It's a great way to start narrowing down and starting to figure out what your gift may be. I'll tell you, the best way to discover your gift is is to do an assessment like that, go through the coaching assessment, and then start trying to use what you think is a gift and, and just try it and use it. Now, sometimes we discover that we have a gift, and sometimes we discover we don't have a gift. Have you ever been in the church that um, someone says, "Uh, the Lord gave me a song? and You think, oh, that's nice. And then they go to sing it. And you're like, I wish God would not have given you that song or maybe he gave you that song just for you anyway uh, the gift was not there so when we begin to discover our gifts and use our gifts the thing we ought to be looking for is two things does this fulfill me does it energize me does it charge me up do I love doing it and do other people acknowledge it go wow Man, God used you when you used that gift. Man, God blessed me. God helped me. God ministered me. God did that. And, and, and they affirm the gifting in your life. That's how you figure it out. The third step is you, you uh, believe it, you discover it, and then you use it. You put it into practice. You, you make a regular habit of using that gift that it may benefit others. Look, that we would receive uh, the gift to serve others others that in the context of a local church or a local ministry or in your neighborhood or your workplace that you regularly exercise that gift to the benefit of other people like I I like to consider myself a Bible nerd like my kids know my wife knows I have Bibles and I write in them and I look stuff up and my wife gave me like 12 different Bible concordance like I guess she figured I needed some help with my preaching and she's like Gave me all these resources to read. I love it, man. And we could get deeper and deeper and deeper in all that. But you know what? I believe this with all my heart. You never get deeper than doing. You can't get deeper than doing. When you and I are exercising our gifts, when you and I are obeying God, when you and I are doing the things he's asked us to do, you don't get any deeper than that. You don't get deeper than doing. In fact... Your gift was given so that you would be a giver. See, God gave you a gift when you came to faith in Christ, and he wanted you to have it not just so you could just feel good about it and and, and show it off or never use it. He gave it to you so that you would turn around and give it as a gift to the people around you. That's why you and I have been given spiritual gifts. In fact, look look uh, at the passage in Romans 12. It says this: For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given. Each of us, it's the analogy of a body saying, look, just like your own body, uh, you don't have a bunch of feet, you just have two feet, and you don't have a bunch of knees, you have two knees, and all these different parts serve all these different functions so that the whole unit works the way I designed it to work. I don't know if you realize this, but the church, this church right here is a body. Jesus is the head, and each one of us is a part of that body. I don't think it's any accident that you're here. If Crossroads is your church home or this is where you say this is my church, then God placed you here with a gift to be a part of the body, to do a certain function that he designed specifically for you to do. That's what he means by the analogy of the body. And so as I look around the room, I'm saying, the shin bone's connected to the knee bone. Remember that song? The knee bone's connected to the thigh bone. Y'all really want me to stop singing, don't you? It is not my gift. It's not my gift. But that's the idea. I mean, we see this all throughout uh, um, our our society, sports. Sports. There's got to be a connectedness and an inner working together, that each part's playing their part and on the same page. Football team, uh, the, the quarterback comes to the line and the receiver, they've got to be on the same page. They've got to read the coverage the same. If one says, oh, it's a hot read and they does a short route and the quarterback throws it long, and that's pick six. That's trouble. They've got to be on the same page functioning as one. Guys, we are one body all functioning for one common good that the name of Jesus Christ would be lift, lifted up and that he'd have greater part of your heart in your heart in your life in your marriage and your in your decisions that Jesus Christ would be lifted up that's why we're all here today we're one body it's the same thing when it comes to our medical care if you got a doctor and a nurse on a different page uh, d- doing different things trying to solve the problem in different ways man we got problems people get broke. Let me ask you something. Is what they do in the hospital more important than what we're trying to do here? Do we think that what they're doing in a hospital is any more urgent or important than what the mission of God's church is? I would, I would like to tell you that. I don't think it comes close that what we've been charged with, the, the, the mission that we have to, to bring lost people that are apart from the living God into a relationship with them, that their life might be vibrant and growing and healthy, and the relationships are healthy, and the community they live in changes. Man, that is so huge. That's our mission to see Christ. Lifted up, and so I believe the church is a team sport. That every single part has a place. That's how the church was designed to operate. And look at here is your blanks. When each person does their part, the plan of God works. The plan of God works. When the church doesn't do its job, when it's not affecting its community, when its neighbors aren't being affected, when uh, when your workplace isn't being affected, when the church is ineffective working together with our different gifts. Man, it's, it doesn't work. But when we do our part, the plan of God works. It works. Lives get changed. People get healed. They get free from addiction. Their marriages get restored. Their kids come into a vibrant relationship with their parents. And then all this thing is a result of the p- church functioning as God intended. And so the foot gets walked on, it might be a foot, God bless you, the mouth speaks, the ear listens, in every single part, the belly button, I don't know what it is, you get the point, you get the point. They're all needed and they're all necessary. Can you imagine when every part's doing its part, then what if every need in this church got met and every person that needed a listening ear was listened to and everyone that needed someone to go to them while they were sick went and everyone that needed to be taught was taught. If every person does their part, the plan of God works. I believe the mission of God would be fulfilled, that we could make disciples of all nations. And then the Colossians says that we could all be brought to maturity of the faith. You think, man, reaching all nations and everyone becoming mature, man, how does God expect to do that? Look, I don't believe God would give us a mission that we couldn't fulfill with his help. And he's told us to do those things, and I believe they're possible in his power. When the church of God, each, everyone does their part, the plan of God will work. There's never been a biblical example of a Christian Lone Ranger. There never has been. I mean, even he had, Tonto. He had a chemosabi, right? I mean, that's not the biblical model. We are all designed to live in healthy, helpful relationship with one another that you would benefit from my gift and I would benefit from your gifts and we would feed off each other and we would all grow because we're all doing our part and the plan works. And we all reach maturity in the faith and every person knows the name of Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you, we live in a very individualistic society you feel responsible for you and your family you feel responsible you and your family and you think it's all on you and it's all on you and it's all on you and I get that so you and I need to hear this more than most we need each other we are interconnected to each other. The shin bone doesn't do very well without the knee bone. Can I tell you, we need each other and you need to buy into it. I need to buy into it more than I need you in my life and I need the benefits of knowing you. And you have something of value to offer me and my family. And so let's just decide we're going to do this whole life thing together. Together. Everybody using their gifts. You know, I'm going to ask you something. Who would benefit from you using your gift? You ever thought about that? Or maybe who's currently benefiting from you using your gift? I hope there's people you can think of. Man, they're benefiting from me using the gift that God gave me. But I want you to think about it in another way. Who's not benefiting from the gift because you're not using it? See, it's easy to... to Count the cost of obedience, but it's a lot more uh, uh, unnatural to count the cost of disobedience. What do I mean by that? When you're you're probably thinking, "Man, Pastor Rod's talking about serving. He's trying to get us all a place to serve. He's trying to get us mobilized. He's he's asking me to take this test. I might have to come to church early and serve. I might have to come on Wednesday night with the students. Man, I'm starting to count the God's hours. Man, that's drive time. That's gas. Man, that's all that stuff. There's a cost. If I'm going to be obedient to play my part, there's a cost. And there is. But if you ever stop to think of what the cost of disobedience is? The reason you may not be feeling fulfilled and full of purpose in your life having the meaning God intended it to have is because you're not using the gift and there's a cost when we don't obey. Or maybe, maybe there's needs that aren't getting met. Maybe there's people that should be here this morning if we were just using our gifts the way God intended, this place would have more people Walking with Jesus. Or maybe. Have you ever thought about, there's other people in the body, and so since there's not a, there's not a knee here, there's a shin and there's a, and there's a, and there's a, and there's a thigh bone, the knee, well, we've got to have the leg moving. And so the church is walking like this. And there's some other people that are getting stress put in their lives, and they're trying to make up for the knee that's not functioning. And who else is trying to do the job? Listen, that God designed you to do there's a cost there isn't there It's a cost let's look a couple more passages on the, on the, on the gifts <clears throat> uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says now about the gifts of the spirit brothers and sisters I do not want you to be uninformed uh, there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings but all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. It's the same God with the same purpose for the same cause, but we have different kinds of gifts. Did you catch that? We bolded it. You might want to circle that in your Bible. You might want to circle that on your man there's different kinds of gifts. We all don't have the same kinds of gifts. There's different kinds. And so we're going to walk through the next four weeks, the four different types of gifts that you find in the Scriptures. I'm going to just give you a preview today, just real quick. First of all, there are speaking gifts. Speaking gifts. Prophets, evangelists, teachers, encouragement. Those are the four speaking gifts. And prophet is someone who tells the truth all the time, even when you don't want to hear it. And they tell you, where's Corey? And one of our elders, Corey has the gift of prophecy. And he'll tell you the truth if you don't want to hear it or not. And I think he likes it just a little bit. It's invaluable. He'll say the hard thing when you need to hear. That's the gift of prophecy. The evangelist gift is when someone who's always sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody, they can't wait for people to hear that Christ died on the cross for your sins, and then you can have forgiveness and new life and go to heaven and have relationship with God. That Jesus is the answer. Story Tate, one of our staff guys, he's he's that guy, man. He's got that gift. Uh, the teaching gift. Jeff Brookshire does an amazing job teaching here. Ben. He, he takes difficult concepts and make them super easy and rememberable. And I can still remember a lazy, you preach from a lazy boy. I was so jealous. I was like, ah, oh, man, how did he pull that off? He, t- he read this amazing poem that he wrote at Christmas time a few years ago. I mean, just incredibly taking God's word and, and making it as accessible to our lives. That's the gift of teaching. Then you have the gift of encouragement. We've got a bunch of people with that gift in our church. Kathy Berry in the back. She did uh, uh, premarital counseling us for years. And the gift of encouragement says, if you're stuck or you need help, I will come alongside you and I'll tell you the steps you need to take to get on the right path. That's the gift of encouragement. And when those couples went through premarital counseling, they knew exactly their next step because Kathy would tell them, this is what you need to do. Casey works with our students and I'm so glad she has this gift because she's working with these g- girls in our in our youth group these students and she's helping them take the next step in their spiritual growth with Christ. Aren't you glad? Those are the speaking gifts. Second is the serving gifts. Serving gifts. Serving gifts are not with the mouth, they're with your hands or with your feet, they're with your labor and your sweat and your presence. They're things like administration, organizing information and communicating information to the people that need to know it. I have none of that in me, but thank God our admin Megan Sabin has this gift, and she keeps us organized. The gift of giving. Is, is all of us are asked to give to God's kingdom, but these people are like rock stars at it, man. They, they love giving sacrificially. They love giving secretly. They love giving generously. And I'm not naming any names because they don't want you to know that's what they're doing. They want to be... They don't want the attention. They they just want the kingdom of God to grow. And they just feel an urge to give financially of and beyond most of us to make that happen. Then you got the gift of helps. Gift of helps is somebody who comes alongside a leader and wants to be the right-hand man or woman and just do whatever it takes to make that leader successful so that the mission of God would be accomplished. And, Mandy, you have that gift. And in our women's ministry team, she's come right alongside Gabriel and our ministry women's team leader and helped her whatever she needs done. Man, she's going to do it because she's got the gift of helps and she wants that ministry and specifically Gabe to be successful in it. You have the gift of Hospitality. Hospitality—it's when You love making people feel welcomed and comfortable in, in your home or even in the church here. And, and Daryl and Wanda, uh, they have that gift. I think both of you guys have that gift, which is really cool. And so on, at Thanksgiving time, they, they, um, they find people that don't have a home to go to or may not going to see, see family over the break. And they open their home, and they lay out a spread now. And they invite these folks in, and they just have a wonderful time opening their home and making them feel loved and accepted. Isn't that cool? And they started the clothes closet on the first Saturdays of the month a few months ago. And they don't just roll out racks of clothes. Oh, no, no, no. There's food. There's environment. There's welcoming. And they want to they wanna just set the stage that anybody that walks in for that clothes closet, man, that you feel like you belong here. That's the gift of hospitality. Uh, then you have the gift of uh, leadership. Leadership. Uh, help inspiring people to move forward and there's lots of examples I'll just use one Zach who was playing right over here and you know, Ripping it up over here when he's not playing. Here's what he's doing Right Zach's that guy. He's got the gift of lead. He wants to lead you into worship And if I can get your hands clapping and your foot stomping man, I'm gonna lead you to that gift of leadership Gift of mercy that's when there's hurting people and they're, and they're in emotional pain or they're in real physical, uh, have real physical needs. And the gift of mercy is I want to do something. I want to come being present in that situation and I want to help meet those needs for those people. That's the gift of mercy. Um, Jill Brookshire, who's on our keyboards today, she, she arranged a, a reverse garage sale. You're like, what's that? That's what We gave away, we collected all this nice stuff and we gave it away to people that needed things. Uh, that She just wanted to give it to them. I want to just help them with their practical needs. That's the gift of mercy. Those are beautiful gifts, aren't they? That's the serving gifts. The real practical needs. Oh, there's one more. Um, Two more. Uh, Pastor shepherd is when you take responsibility for a group of people, and you're just like, I want to care for them, and I want to help them grow. That's the pastor shepherd gift. And uh, Joy uh, Faulkner has that gift. We started a, a singles group, and she's sort of shepherd. She's the mother hen, right? Of the singles group, she's she's taking care of them. And lastly is the gift of service, where it helps you really feel an affinity for a leader. The gift of service is I just want to come help you. Any ministry be successful, and I want to serve practically that ministry. Uh, Laura Tate, nine thirty almost every week. She's she's holding those babies, those toddlers. She's leading that environment every week, and she's serving those kids. And if you've got a kid that age, she's serving you as a parent, and she's serving our church, and she's glad to do it, to serve, because she's, that's just her wheelhouse. She loves to serve in that way. Then we have the, uh, the seeing gifts, the seeing gifts, discernment, faith, knowledge, and wisdom. Discernment, the gift of discernment is you see things into a person or a situation that most people don't see. Gabriel also has this gift, and, and it's only been like five times in 15 years of ministry, and she'll be like, Watch out for that person. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? They're good. She's like, no, seriously. Listen to me. There's just something not right. And I've learned because every single time she's been right. She's been right. Uh, Rich Bray, one of our former elders, we had to let one of our staff go uh, a while back. And on the way to that meeting, he called me and said, I just get this sense that we need to, when we drop the bomb, that we're letting them go, that we should just let them vent and talk and not say anything. I said, I think you're right. And sure enough, man, when we, when we let this person know that we're going to let them go, they went on and on for 45 minutes just kind of getting it all out. And I looked over at Rich. He's like, man, he's right. I said, how did he know that? It's a gift of discernment. Gift of faith. Gift Gift of faith, people. Uh, Monica, you got the gift of faith. I saw it on your place assessment. They're, like, one of their favorite verses is Ephesians 3 20 and 21. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work that is within us. Um, it's like God can do anything. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's got all things in his hand. And so we can trust him. And if he says go, we can go. When they don't see problems, they see possibilities. And the people with faith said, let's charge hell with a water pistol. It's ours. That's the gift of faith. Monica, thanks for sharing that gift with us. Uh, the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge is when you, you start to see things. So... Uh, Faith was seeing situations differently Uh, Knowledge is seeing scripture differently Where you you find these little nuggets of of insight in the scripture You're like, where did you get that? It's like you're having your quiet time in the book of Numbers And it's changing your life It's like, how do you do that? Cassidy has the gift of knowledge, man And and he does, man He just drinks in God's word deeply And and I called it cemetery He He loves seminary I'm like, he can't get enough. He went right out of his MDiv into a doctorate program. I'm like, you're nuts. He can't get enough. Then there's the gift of wisdom. It's seeing practical application to God's word. Where other people may not see the application, they see it. This is how this applies. This is what you need to do in this situation. And they apply the wisdom of God to normal lives. Parish, our student director, has this gift. I think that's a pretty awesome gift for students, don't you? You say, this is how God's word applies to your life. Here's how he can help you with a situation with your girlfriend or with your parents or with your grades. And this is how God's word works in real life. Those are the seeing gifts. And then you have the sign gifts. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, miracles. This is all the stuff that really weirds out Baptists, Right? I can say that because we're Baptist. I don't know if you knew that. It weirds us out. Let's just be honest, okay? And um, some would say these gifts were, had a place in, in the early church, and now they're no more. And other people say, "Oh no, they're still functioning healthy today. And I'm not getting into that debate. I'm thankful Jeff's preaching that sermon. <laughs> Love you, man. He'll probably be sitting in our corner. I don't know. Uh Here's the the deal with that. We we don't emphasize that here. I'm not going to say they're right or wrong. I'm not saying they exist or not. We don't emphasize them here. And they won't find them on your place assessment. Okay? You won't find them there. Now, are any one of these types of gifts or any one of these gifts you see here, are any of them more important than another? No. No, they're not. Are the people that stand on stage and sing, or the people that stand on stage and speak, are they more important than the other people serving in a different way? No. Listen to me very clearly. There is no rock stars in the kingdom of God. There, is, there are no celebrities in the body of Christ We are all the same. We all have the same purpose. We all have the same Lord. We all have the same mission. And we all just are supposed to do the best we can with the gifts God has given us, and they have absolutely equal value. I'll tell you which is the most important gift. It's whatever gift you need at that moment. Because when you're hurting, you don't want me. When you're sad and upset... You don't want me. My, my kids can tell you this. <laughs> they're shaking their head. When they're upset, they go to mom. I know there might be a dad-mom thing there, but listen. My wife has the gift of mercy, and hurting people are drawn to her. I repel them. <laughs> my wife's like, how can you score that low in mercy? Do you have a heart inside of your, your cavity there? Tin man. Thank God my wife is there with mercy. Guys, there are people in this church, you think, I don't, the gift of mercy, man, you are indispensable. Look what the word says. Last verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Look, if you don't think you have much to offer, then what you have to offer is essential. It's absolutely needed in this church or another church, whatever church you land in. That church, that body, those people need you to exercise that gift. It's absolutely critical and indispensable. The mission of God needs you. There's people outside the walls of this church that need you to use your gift. There's people you're sitting on the same row with that need you to use your gift. There's people in your small group that need you to use their gift. We had a small group meeting and and somebody got emotional and I looked at one of the other guys and he's like me. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, not my gift. One of the other ladies in our group went right over to that person put her hand, hand on that lady, and ministered to her. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. That's the body of Christ. And that gift, she might have thought that was such a small thing to do. It was indispensable. Indispensable. Guys, I'm going to show you a video. This has challenged me. This video ought to rock you like it did me. We have a gift, and we should use it. Check this out. Give God praise, will you? Isn't it amazing that cerebral palsy was an excuse? It wasn't an excuse. It was a gift. That's how he viewed it. It was a gift for God to use through him. Guys, let's not focus on our excuses as we move ahead and finding our place in the plan of God. Let's focus on the gifts he's given us, how small and insignificant you might think they are. God can use them for eternal purposes. Will you use your gift that God has given you to benefit others and to fulfill the mission of God? If you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you, take this place assessment. There's, there's brochures on the back two tables or on the way out in the counter. Take that and begin to use it. If you want to do paper, we got those two up there. And you find your place in the story of God. And maybe you already know what that is. You say, I know what my gift is, and I just need to start using it. We're going to give you an opportunity today to do that. You can just jump in. and We'll help you find your place in the story of God. Can you imagine? If every single one of us took his attitude if every single one of us was faithful and serving God and and the attitude that he displayed and we all played our part, could you imagine the impact that we could have in our little worlds, the impact that this church could have in our community? Could you imagine the impact of the lives that would be touched, the families that would be renewed, the addictions that would be broken, the new life that people could find in Christ if we all just played I'm going to challenge you to do that today. And listen, I haven't talked about this all sermon, But if today you're saying, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, I don't have a gift because I've never uh, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as the leader and the forgiver of my life, can I tell you something? Finding your life purpose begins right there in Christ. That he laid down his life that you might have new life in him. He laid down your life that you might be forgiven. He willingly laid down his life for you that you might find the purpose for which God created you. And he laid down his life that you might have an eternity with God in heaven free from accusation and blame in perfect paradise with him he laid down his life for you and all he asks in return is that you in turn lay down your life to Jesus and say now you are now the leader of my life you're now the savior from my sins and I and I lay down my life in service to you I believe somebody needs to make that decision today. So let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask God to speak. God, you're in this room today. Thank you for being present and powerful and among us. God, thank you for being the God that is not far off but is near. And God, I believe you want you, wanna, you want somebody in this room to lay their life down to you today. Oh, they might know your name and have heard of you and sang songs to you, but they've never laid their life down and said, Jesus, you're the king of my life. I need you to forgive me. I believe the cross died. You died on the cross for my sins. And today, you're ready to make that decision. It's not a prayer that you make. It's a lifestyle change, that you will follow Jesus. If that's your decision, you pray with me right now. Say, God in heaven, thank you for laying down your life for me. I believe Jesus died in my place, and the sacrifice he made, I want it to count for me. Jesus, would you forgive me, and would you lead me? Because I'm laying down my life to you as my king and my master and as my Lord. You made that decision. I, I want to I connect with you before you go from this building today. Would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. If you made that decision today, I want to celebrate with you. I see you. Praise God. Who else? Praise God. I see you. Anybody else? Father, we rejoice in the new life that's found in Jesus. We rejoice that you are close. And God, I pray for this every person in this room, God, that we would embrace the God-given purpose that you have made us for. God, that we would step into that. Whatever our next step is, God, that we would do it in obedience and find the fulfillment and purpose that you created us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.